0: Hey, we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302. And you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge Better understanding and a clear
1: direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor please like, share, and follow. Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. And this episode, we have Don Wetrick with a focus on innovation in schools, specifically, how we can innovate as educators and how we can spark innovative thinking for our students. Don Wetrick is the founder of the Start Ed Up Foundation, author of Pure Genius Building a Culture of Innovation and Taking 20% Time to the Next Level and Innovation Specialist at Noblesville High School in Central Illinois. Don is well-known for his award-winning work as a middle school and high school teacher, educational and innovation consultant, and educational speaker, and he's been to Delaware to speak on the topic of innovation and his book, which we're going to talk about today. We hope you enjoy this episode, and also don't forget to like, share, and follow. You can always get more by following the schoolhouse302.com go to the site click on follow here we are with our guest don wetrick thanks for joining the show today don we are so happy that you could join us on focus ed thanks
2: man happy to be here
1: It's awesome. So, Dom, we're going to jump right in. We have a live audience with us. You wrote a book called Pure Genius, Building a Culture of Innovation and Taking 20% Time to the Next Level. Let's start with your book, and then we're going to dive into leading innovation in schools, something you're very familiar with. Please tell us just why you wrote the book, what it's about, what it means to dedicate 20% of the time to innovation and what you want educators to take from it what
2: message are you sending and and what what are people gravitating towards really a basic one and that is school is a place you go to learn things you have to learn but a genius hour is a time to set aside where you learn the things you want to learn it's as simple as that you know it, it really started with the dan pink ted talk you know listening to him how how companies innovated how they got to get out of their own way and he, you know he talked about the fact that they gave themselves they gave their employees 20% time same kind of thing still applies is that i gave my students 30 minutes on a friday it, it mushroomed into something bigger than that eventually but you know in the beginning like hey let's set aside friday 30 minutes and what do you want to do now the thing that i found out though is that the hardest things in the world to do are the things that you tell yourself you're going to do but without accountability measures, that gets really hard. So it's also one of the things that I, I really didn't cover in the book as much as I should have. But, you know, I've I've seen people like, I want to do a genius hour and the teachers go, okay, now go be genius. And without accountability <laughs> measures, it turns into a not so glorified study hall.
0: Tom, would you mind diving into that a little more, like giving it us an example of what an accountability measure would be if someone was to start like the Genius Hour to make sure that it's productive and time well spent?
2: Yeah, I mean, it it really depends on what grade level you're talking about. You know, at any grade level, we kind of had a, what we call the rule of thirds on a Genius Hour project. Rule number one is, are you passionate about it? I think that's where most people start and unfortunately end, but that I want to do something is is, is element. But number two, what skills are you going to develop out of it? Right, so the, the every, employers now will tell you we're moving away from a diploma-based economy and moving towards a skills-based economy. Very few people are going to care that you have a piece of paper that says you know stuff. They want to see the skills that you know and, and demonstrate. So, you know, number one, passion. Number two, what skills you're going to develop. Because if I have a genius hour project of like I like crackers, you know, I like, you know I'm passionate about zesta crackers, but I don't like premium. That doesn't mean anything. I'm not developing a skill. It's just I'm passionate about it. But number three then is who is it benefiting other than you? This is the crown jewel of this in the sense that we want you to work on things that make you successful, but we also want you to work on things that you understand how to make the world better for other people. And quite frankly, entrepreneurs do that. Like you can't have a business or a plan or a service that just benefits you. It has to benefit others. So this also kind of takes it away from I'm passionate about Pokemon Go to I'm passionate about service and exercise, different level.
1: So that's fantastic. That gives us a, kind of a, an, another window into these three pieces of the puzzle. Before we dive a little bit more into the innovation that you're seeing in schools, can you tell us about some of the projects? Like, what have you seen? You're, you're internationally, I mean, this is tr- true of you. You're, you're internationally acclaimed
2: for like kids having patents. We just did relevant things and we took to Twitter. That's it. The relevant things were, is that like, I hate to simple, you know, make this as simple as can, but like our students did relevant things and then we asked them to go a level higher. And whether that be asking local law, you know, offices, will you help sponsor a patent or at least a provisional patent for us? They did. Now the shameless part that a lot of teachers have a hard time with is the bravado, right? I mean, teachers were a humble bunch. And so, I used to be, believe it or not, now I'm just a shameless self-promoter. I'm like, hey, everybody, stop what you're doing. Look what my student did. And that's fine. You know, we, we complain that the media doesn't give us a fair shake and that public education gets trashed and blah, blah, blah. Okay, then take the social media, to call your local newspaper, television station, and ask them to cover what you're doing. Simple as that. Don,
0: um, can we go down that road a little bit more because... Starting the Genius Hour takes action. Calling, you know, I know you got permissions uh, just because of you sharing that before with your, your administration. It wasn't necessarily an easy road to begin with, but now you have a lot of support. But all of this requires action. What would you say is the number one thing somebody should do to move it from an idea to practice, to just get that next step. I, and I feel like a lot of teachers have wonderful ideas and administrators, but they fail to take action.
2: Radical transparency, because if you said that you're gonna do something, and again, that's kind of where your audience holds you accountable, but like, I don't know, like, hey, we're gonna try this. And if we weren't doing it, people are like, hey, Don, I thought you said you're gonna do this with your students. I mean, that was part of our action. And the other part of it is, is like, look, this is where I totally understand. I won the lottery of schools. I had a superintendent that wanted to take this risk. I had a principal that wanted to take this risk. That is the triumvirate. Sometimes you have a superintendent that goes, oh, do this, but you have a principal that might have an ego problem or they just don't believe in it. Or sometimes you have a rock star principal, the superintendent's like, this wasn't my idea or I don't like the risk of this. Or sometimes you have a superintendent principal that believe this, but the teachers, some of them are like, I don't want to do this. So it takes the golden three, right? It's a magic triumvirate. That's what really sets it apart, I think. I, I really did hit gold with Noblesville Schools.
1: I want to ask you what your favorite outcome has been. Not just the project that you like the most, but your favorite outcome. You, said, you, you mentioned service. like Who does it benefit? Is there an outcome that has come from one of these projects that you're like, man, we're really proud of that?
2: Actually, yeah, and it's funny because I'm actually talking, to some of them are here right now. I'm at a pitch competition, <laughs> and, and and now they're all running away from me. No, the, the the outcomes are is like we've actually had apps, businesses, events started, right? My second year of teaching this class that I'm not going to get kicked out of. I found a, it was the second year of class, and the students on the second day were like brainstorming, and they wanted to start basically a special ed ran coffee shop. And the brainstorm is they were so proud of themselves that they came up with the idea they just kind of crossed their arms and they're like, aren't you proud of me? I came up with the idea. And I sat there quietly and I'm like, okay, what are you gonna do about it? Well, I came up with an idea that was code for saying, don't I get a good grade? And the reality was, I'm like, go. Go make some calls right now, reach out to people. That was one of those crossing the, the the threshold of this isn't just school anymore. And we've had several, you know, again, some of our students throw events, they drop apps, they get patents filed, they start businesses, they make money. Those are the things that I can't really pick one favorite. Well, I guess I could. I mean, I had a couple of students that literally, actually Luke just went back. He literally started a school in Africa. It wasn't that much money that he had to raise. And he's teaching actually some of the curriculum that he learned in the innovation class. That's cool. But even things that didn't make headlines, you know, a girl learning how to prototype uh, and, and implement um, a program into our our, our farmer's market and, and um, just simple things like that. It didn't get... It didn't get a lot of press, but it meant something to them because that was their definition of what they deemed important as learning.
0: That's great. Excellent examples, Don. Let's switch gears a little bit, and this definitely is still within the same lane. If you're going to improve the student experience in every school, what would you want to see done?
2: I hate to be playing for the home team here, but, you know, at least an across-the-board – genius hour policy time at the elementary school level and let me start th- that I don't think that it I think if you want to look at this in a, in a very long-term manner if you start this in grade school it is the most obvious thing that I mean the students just look forward to this and of course it's you, duh you have time the school day to learn the things that you want to learn that then bubbles up to middle school and I think because a lot of middle schools are teamed a lot of teams can say all right you know I get it. Middle school doesn't, they have to cover the standards probably worse than anybody else, but you can afford one day a month because Friday language arts has it. Next Friday, math has it. Next Friday, social studies, so on and so forth. But that way that percolating up just, it becomes natural that you're not this, this one period of the day a week is not about compliance. It's about learning. However, the culture of actually getting it done and wanting to get it done are new. Because what I really what I really struggled with with my own class was the compliant-based mentality. Do I get an A on this, Mr. Retrick? I don't, really? You're doing this for a grade? And that was hard to deprogram them. Because they're like, aren't you proud of what I've done? Give me an A, as opposed to, do you really think this is gonna work? Are you guys gonna have a soft launch? Is your event gonna go on without funding? Those kind of essential questions. Because if you do that the elementary, then middle school, high school, it becomes its own elective, and it should be its own elective. I don't like for this to be forced, but I, I like at least the option to have an innovation and open source learning class in every high school anywhere throughout time now. If you don't wanna take it, hey, if you're like, look, I just wanna go into a career that I am, I am I am told what to do, fine, like there's a lot of careers and I have no problem with that. But there's a lot of careers now that they're desperate for people that can actually think for themselves. That they're like battling like innovation problems and things are moving so fast. I hear this, I, like really what we do at Startup Foundation, we're a talent pipeline agency. Mm-hmm. We give our students opportunities to create creative examples and solutions a lot of times for other companies. So if you have that kind of a class, you have an hour and a half. So I was on block and we had an hour and a half every other day to actually create solutions. And it had nothing to do with compliance. It had nothing to do with school, but it had everything to do with the most precious commodity than ever. And that is your time. This is an hour and a half of your time to get the things done that you want to do and to learn the things that you want to do. And if you said, look, I want to learn how to play the drums and grow my drumming career. You should be able to do that. That is your hour and a half. I want so, to go really hard tangent. Sorry.
1: No, we like the tangent, Don. I want to ask a follow up. Actually, because of the tangent, is so we we agree with you, and I think many of the people in the room agree. And I actually would call it a, a human capital issue that we're getting kids together every day and we're asking them questions that we as adults already know the answer to, versus questions about stuff that we don't know the answer to, and using you know the minds that we have in schools to solve our problems today. The follow-up is two parts. Like, what, what is preventing this from happening more? And then the second is, where do you see people kicking butt at it other than where, you, where you're doing it?
2: So, A, when I held class, on many days, I was the dumbest person in the room, and that was Okay. My class was called innovation and open source learning. I could be a project manager to anybody, but if it was like, could you, you know, MVP and beta test my app that I coded in Python? No, I'm not your guy. That's okay. I can ask you when your deadlines are. I can ask you what success looks like. I can ask you to, you know, come up with your own key performance indicators, whatever. So like, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. So let me dispel that. It's called open source learning. And why can't we do this more? I don't know. It's absolutely, shockingly simple what I do. Shockingly simple. Because when I ask people, like, what is the point of school? Oh, by the way, the most cliche and correct answer is, oh, to prepare them for the future. What in the hell are we doing then to prepare them for the future? Sit down and shut up is not really future-ready, boys. And we know this. We know this. So what's preventing them? Fear? Parents? Oh, you took time away from my son's AP blah, blah, blah. True, we did, but what did we work on? Did we memorize things in the past or did they have time to collaborate with people maybe in their own zip code that could help them get employment? Did they make, we talk about how networking is really important and any other genre except education, but guess what, it's still important. You know, if you're 16 and you're building, that is the one flex that I can truly flex on. My students had a network Rolodex that was, I was hitting them up. I was trying to find guests. I'm like, <laughs> you got a hold of him? How did, could he be on my show? Could she be on my episode next time? Because 16, there, there has never been a better time to be a passionate 16 year old. LinkedIn is gold, man. If you're 16, you're like, "Hey, I'm working on a project, and here's what I'm doing, and here's the road bumps." I'm, I'm in. Incre- People, especially on LinkedIn, go. I was you when I was 16. What do you need? And that, like, it's gold. And and and, and you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that why schools. Don't, back to your question. Sorry, tangent again. Is that I, you know, well, because we've never done it that way. The most dreaded word in education, in my humble opinion, is tradition. We've never done it that way. That's not our tradition. Well, ask people if your tradition is getting people, you know, the things that we used to do, is that getting you employed? The answer is no. I mean, I don't know, sometimes it is. But um, I'm just asking for grade schools for 30 minutes on a Friday. I'm asking middle schools for 30 minutes once a month for your particular genre. And I'm asking high schools, could you please have an elective where you have basically an innovation factory, but you have somebody in charge of accountability and metrics.
0: That's great. I think it's a reasonable request, Don. I don't think it's, and we'll, once we wrap this up, we usually have a great conversation with those in the audience. And I love to hear their thoughts on that as well. For you to make the greatest impact in your career, what does the next three to five years look like?
2: Well, emotionally, I had to make a decision, and that's what I'm doing right now. So the state of Indiana, for better, for well, for better, they asked me to step away from the classroom and then create these ecosystems. I was originally asked, would you kind of create more of these classes across the state? And I, in a smart aleck way, said no, because people ain't buying what I'm selling. Most schools aren't really, there's some, but there's not a lot of schools that say, yes, we'll start an elective called innovation and open source learning. What I've done to really make an impact, and I'm on brand today, is that we started a foundation called the Start Ed Up Foundation, and we get kids together once a month, and we do one of three things. Normally, we do reverse pitch competitions for small, deserving nonprofits. Think opioid crisis center, homeless shelter, normally places that have a staff of two or three people. And they have a slide deck, and like, here's what we are, here's what we do, here's what we suck at. And then they ask the kids, could you help us? The students then ask about, they listen empathetically, a little design thinking, and they ask some questions. They go off into teams of about seven to 10 and they whiteboard for about 30 to 40 minutes. They come back, they make a pitch, all four or five, six teams, whatever, make a pitch. A lot of times team one and three realize they need to combine efforts, whatever. Some nights we have prizes, but a lot of times the kids just wanna know like, my idea might be used. That gets them that muscle memory of what we call an entrepreneurial way of being. Then quarterly, we have boot camps and hackathons. We have some technology partners that are dying to dying to hire young people that don't want to go to college, but want to get their Microsoft or Cisco certifications. We have some boot camps that you can kind of dip your toe into the pool. If it's right for you, great. We've got some other things for you. If you've hated it, it cost you a day. And at the very bottom of this funnel is what we do today. It's where I'm at right now. I'm in a region two. We have a regional... We have a statewide pitch competition that is really robust. It's actually the most generous payout in the country. We, we have an immersion trip. This year we're going to Seattle, Washington. It is a very generous cash, actually venture-based. Uh, we don't just give you a novelty check. We actually ask you to hit metrics, and you keep earning up to $10,000, and it's, it's pretty impressive. Do I miss the classroom? Absolutely. But the cool thing is, is that I jokingly said I'm starting to transition into a grandpa role because like a grandpa, I can play with the kids, rile them up and not have to put them to bed. So I, I get to visit a lot of classrooms all over the country because we're actually, we're starting started up chapters in more than just Indiana. We're starting them. We're very aggressive this in 2020 on starting more cities, but I go and I visit other school districts and I ask them to, you know, collaborate with us. Yeah, I, I, I get to I get to play with school kids all over the country and talk about innovation, entrepreneurship, talk about them moving forward, talking about them thinking for themselves. And then uh, by 3.05, I uh, get to get to hand it over to the other teacher and, and wish them the best of luck and hopefully support them. Uh, and then the last thing is, is that as we grow, we also kind of have um, some venture money. Actually, I really can't even call it venture money. We have 0% interest loans for student entrepreneurs. If you've got something and the only thing that's inhibiting you is $5,000, and you're like, man, I think that I could really grow this. I've seen 5,000 bucks, we'll get you your $5,000. And we uh, normally ask you to show some metrics and show your, your P&L and everything else, and we'd like for you to pay it back, but it's a 0% loan.
1: That sounds like really impactful work, Don. It's it's exciting for you, I know, and it was it's awesome for us to hear that that's what you're doing. It almost sounds like, there might be a, a a venture soon, maybe like a Shark Tank or something. Somebody from Shark Tank who says, "You know what? I want to invest in that because I'm going to get a piece of the pie every time a kid comes out with a patent." So I'm just wondering if that's if that's on the docket in terms of trying to get some more support like that, or yeah, it, and again,
2: is, that's also why we have a zero percent loan because. I don't want to get myself in trouble. There is venture capitalists and there are vulture capitalists. And unfortunately, there's a lot of vulture capitalists. So the reason why we have seed <laughs> funding is that it's a 0% loan. But yes, if a student like says, I got something amazing and I need $5 million funding, they'll probably have to deal with venture people instead of us. But what a great problem to have. But yeah, we're that's the thing that I can't get over is the amount of people that we've been able to talk to and work with in the last year. Some of the who's who 's who and entrepreneurship are starting to pitch in and help, so we've been pretty blessed in that sense that, yeah, I think that we could get some kids some real money if they really big money if they uh, really had a great business idea.
1: and we'll link to start Ed Up Foundation when we do the show notes for this and um and we'll talk about that too with the live audience when we sign off. I'm going to use that as a segue to this question about leaders outside of education. Is there somebody who you read or follow for advice or for inspiration outside of education? Now, we know that you're a Gary Vaynerchuk fan, that you've been in touch with Tim Ferriss and Dan Pink. So I want to take those three names off the, off the center stage here and see if there's anybody out there who may be a little bit more not known to the group
2: here who Easily. you would say, follow this person. Tina Selig. Tina Selig at Stanford. She teaches an amazing class, although technically she's an education. I'll give two answers. Tina Selig, uh, I'll give three. Tina Selig at Stanford, Steven Kotler. He wrote a book with Peter Diamandis is called the future is faster than you think. And then a guy who was an entrepreneur, but he's an unbelievably good person. His name is JT McCormick. He's on our board and we're blessed to have him. JT has a perspective on life that uh, I'm not saying this for shock value. He, he had 23 brothers and sisters. His mom only had him, but he was raised by prostitutes, and his father was not a good person. But JT was very self-educated, and that guy just gives back. His book is amazing, but more importantly, he supports and grows a lot of great quality kids through some of his you know, programs and some of his time to give back. So JT McCormick.
0: Don, just to begin wrapping this up, one final question. You, you've worked internationally. You've worked with different countries. You're now working with the state and throughout the country for this start up. Sounds like great work. If there was an area that you would love somebody to write a book on, a particular topic or idea that you think needs some more research in or just really people to start wrapping their head around, what would it be?
2: Probably... The future of learning, does it have to, I'm going to be biased and say learning should always be a a collaborative group effort, but we are moving fast to virtual and augmented reality. You will not need to learn the greatest thing. You don't have to now, but soon you're going to be able to take the most immersive experiences and field trips on your VR goggles. But what is the human element? I, 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 the only thing that I fear about the future is the human element. And this is my last big one is I think everything is going to come down to purpose. There have been some experiments. If everything is given to you, if you don't have a purpose, you hate your life. I call this the jiggle, the rat theory. My, my, my roommate in college had a giant boa constrictor and it got so big and so slow that when he put a rat in there the rat attacked him and it hurt it damaged his eye so he had to start putting in dead rats for it to eat the snake got depressed because there was nothing to hunt there was nothing to do once a week he put in a dead rat and the snake just kind of looked at it and he wouldn't eat unless you jiggled it basically if it felt alive it had a purpose and then it would eat i think so many things are done for our students we live in such abundance That the only thing, they don't lack entertainment. TikTok took care of that, which is horrible. I hate TikTok. Things are taken care of. Life is comfortable. We have to jiggle the rat. If you don't have a purpose, then you're just not as happy. And gee, guess what I normally, what was rule one of Genius Hour? Are you passionate about it? Is this your purpose? I think things really flow from there. Thank you. At 5'8", it's my only soapbox, man. I need it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and it's an awesome way to end, Don. Thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else that you would like to add for our audience here or for our listeners?
2: No, I mean, just if you guys are possibly interested in starting a chapter, you know, normally we try to have chapter leaders be educators. It's a lot simpler. Contact me on LinkedIn, is usually the best. Twitter is okay. My email is dwetrick at startedupfoundation.org. Yeah. Love to love to do some stuff in the great state of Delaware. Uh, this is I'm just flattered and humbled that you guys wanted to talk shop.
1: We always like talking shop with you, Don. We're going to try to get a Delaware chapter for Start Ed Up Foundation. This has been this has been fantastic. You heard it here on Focus Head, Don Wetrick. Everyone, how about a round of applause from our studio audience? <laughs> Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. We'll see you next time on Focus Ed. Don't miss the next episode. Until then, stay focused. Thanks, Don. See you guys. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest, self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear
0: you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about you know getting a good night's sleep. But you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep?
1: Well, I think that's part of your problem. Is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghost Bed, our sponsor, with thirty thousand plus five star reviews. Their patented sleeping cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed.
0: That's right, and their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you.
1: And with free shipping, within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic uh, support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code Sh302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use sh302 at checkout.
0: Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, "Wow, I would love to try out Ghost Bed, but I just bought a bed." Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest.
1: Wow, that's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. 100 bucks for your referral if you get somebody else a good night's sleep. Better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it, ghostbed.com.
2: coming out of your classroom so i just can i quote that i'm not internationally known but i'm known to rock a microphone
1: (laughs) you can i you can but but only
2: if you have a microphone and you rock it for us a little bit true story i just tweeted vanilla ice at a workshop the other day and he follows me now and we're sharing DMs. (laughs) Um my nineties music references will not know its end, so just be careful that you endure, you unearth Pandora's box. Um you, you know, like in the humility aside, um right? Um sorry if I missed the question because I was lady, I was just wanting to quote Rob Bass. Um he likes the Whopper, don't ask him about the Big Mac. Um I'm pausing for laughter, Daggone. it. Uh, you no, know, like the relevant